Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Greg Starling, head of Innovation Lab at Tailwind, on the impacts AI is having on our business systems, and especially on how we market and sell. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My guest today is Greg Starling, head of Innovation Lab at SaaS marketing company Tailwind. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, man. I really appreciate being on today. Well, this is an an important topic. A lot of people asking about this. It's really about the impacts that AI is having on our business systems and what is actually looks like i'm interested to get your perspective too as you know what this will actually look like as it unfolds over the next couple of years like i've you've seen the memes that are out there about the hype cycle around ai and people are all excited it's going to do everything but there's also that fear that it's going to replace all of our jobs it's just going to go away what are we going to do and then there's the reality the grounding when they get in there and they start using it and then as they start figuring out it curves, I'm doing hand signals here, people, on the <laughs> podcast. but as it curves back up, as people start realizing, okay, I get it. I, I understand how it fits, how it's different than typical search experience, but also how it's being layered into our search experiences. So that, I know there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Maybe we start with your background. Tell us more about what you're doing uh, at Tailwind and what you're also writing about, because there's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm old. I've been doing technology really since the the late nineties. Um, I got a really, really lucky break as a college kid and I was able to um, get started uh, at, at a company called Hobby Lobby where uh, they didn't necessarily believe in the internet or think it was going to necessarily take off. So I didn't it's want a to phase. Know. It is a phase. We're still going yeah. through it, but yeah. And, and I think, I think there's actually some really interesting parallels of what we were looking at back then of what the internet was going to be and what, what people did or didn't believe in it and what AI is today. And so, like I said, like they didn't necessarily want to invest a lot of money in it. So they paid some college kid $12 an hour to start their e-commerce division. Um, and that's how I got into technology. And so for about 25 years, I've run different tech teams as kind of different roles of CIO, CTO, VP of tech, things like that. Um, fell in love with this idea of, of innovation labs and not having to be bogged down kind of in the day-to-day and in the product um, and being able to try to look two years, three years, four years out. Um, got to to work with some cool companies at my my last job working with with Apple um, and Cupertino with their with their innovation lab and and um, Airbnb with their innovation lab in San Francisco. Um, my my good friend Danny Maloney, who's the CEO of Tailwind, asked if I wanted to kind of come and run an innovation lab at his company. Um, after me bragging and and about it for for a very long time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's and I was like, yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. So about six months later, I came over there, and so really now for the last four plus years. I've been trying to look out and see where things are going and make sure that that our technology at Tailwind is, is out in the front. And so roughly two-ish years ago, a little more than two years ago now, really started digging into um, what at the time was GPT-2 um, and some, some AI pieces. Uh, and about uh, 14, 15 months ago, actually found and acquired a, a, a an AI company that would help us kind of layer in. Um, and it's kind of morphed, my role's kind of morphed lately from trying to look 
honestly, I think if I'm being fully candid, I thought that we had a much bigger head start. I didn't think AI would get adopted nearly as fast as it as it did. And so I thought we were actually thinking one year, two years, three years out, whenever we were thinking more like two, three months, six months out at yeah. most. Um, and so uh, my role now is very much just trying to make sure we're taking full advantage of, of AI inside of our product. You, you mentioned Tailwind. So what we do just for anybody who's interested is, is small business marketing for um, it's SaaS. So it's, it's automating a lot of the pieces of small businesses. Um, we talk about like oftentimes like in business, we'll talk about like SMB uh, for small to medium sized businesses. We don't, those are actually usually too big for us. Um, we're, we, we like we're in like the VSB, what we call like the very small businesses, like the solopreneurs, the two, three person companies where everybody has like an and role and they don't have time to hire a full-time marketer. And so they utilize software to do things like help. We use AI to help, you know, write the the, the organic me social media posts to help write the um, ad pieces, um, even create some of the content, do all the scheduling, just trying to to automate as much of that process as possible. So that's kind of a long way to say that I get to, to play with marketing stuff and AI all day, every day is basically what I do now. Well, one of the things that I, I was thinking about, it was talking about working uh, within the Microsoft ecosystem. One of the things I was actually at Microsoft, um, Ray Ozzy was there. You had the office labs. You basically, there's a, there's a focus on these innovation labs and on the R and D side of that. And of course, we've all heard the, the stories of, of, you know, R and I mean, famously you have like the modern, you know, windows interface and where that, you know, came through from R and D teams. Microsoft didn't create that. Apple didn't create that. It was, uh, you know, Xerox Park, you know, which was an R and D lab that came out of that. But what was it's interesting about that is when you unburden people from being tied to, you know, a, a an organization from tied to, hey, we've got to sell this number of units of this or this of this product where they could just go out there and and really kind of explore, you know, the uh, hey, I'm using this phrase too much, the art of the possible, you know, with with technology, but figure out how much innovation actually comes out of that. Um, there's a um, you probably aren't familiar with there was a, a a product i've talked about for a while microsoft it was a pure r d product called uh uh um what was it it was the uh um i just forgot the name of it just slipped my mind uh post edit remove this out this the the, the floundering part uh gig jam sorry there it is yeah gig jam so and it, it, it's funny i still have the app on my phone which does nothing and i don't want to touch it because then it'll disappear the little icon on there but it was this crazy idea that was put together when they demoed it on stage at a conference one time um where it was clearly it was uh manipulated it was bailing wire and smoke that uh, like obscure what you actually see what's actually happening for the scenario but really looking at kind of the future of collaboration and here not quite 10 years later just about everything showed in that crazy demo with that not quite working R&D product is now generally available within the collaboration technology it's so it, it is so important to as, as an organization to have an imagination about, you know, right. hey, what's, what's going on and be thinking about how this could impact um, because things are changing so quickly. I, I don't know if that you know, came into your thinking too, with the prep work, were you just so glad that you guys were out ahead looking at this technology? Did that help better prepare you for how rapidly yeah. it has changed? 
Very much so. I, I think um, every every technology company that I know is racing towards AI. Um, I think the general consensus, whether it's right or wrong, is the companies who get good or adopt AI will survive, and those that don't get good or aren't able to adopt at least pieces of AI will, will fail. And I was very, very grateful that we had a little bit of a head start, um, that we understood the technology. We knew we didn't uh, have to look up what the acronym LLM stood for. You know, we kind of had, we had at least a baseline understanding, had made some contacts over a couple of years of trying to figure it out. And so we were able to, to actually, we had a product in the space before ChatGPT came out. But then I think that was kind of the watershed moment, uh, at least um, from like a zeitgeist point of view of, of, of society of like everybody thinking, oh, this is, I think at that moment we realized that the normal average non-tech person is going to adopt AI, at least in, in some regard um, with the, the massive ramp up that they saw um, at OpenAI with ChatGPT. And so uh, we were able to to kind of tie into that a little bit and kind of piggyback on that and say, you know, yeah, you know, this stuff that you're seeing, we already have it in our product um, and understanding it when everybody else is kind of racing and, and not everybody, a lot of people are out in front of this, but, but uh, for the people who weren't out in front of it, for the people who weren't kind of on the, the, the front edge of this AI thing, um, it was a huge advantage. And, you know, in our particular space, there aren't a lot of, um, it's mostly smaller businesses. And so to be out in front, we, we were able to, to, to utilize some of those advantages that, um, we had to, to grab some, some market share, um, relatively quickly, um, just through almost pure marketing, um, you know, and so, uh, just saying we had it, um, yeah. or I don't think that's going to be good enough. It may not even be good enough now to say you have some AI pieces. I think there's a lot that people are already starting to expect, but, um, you know, three months ago, just saying you had AI in your tool was enough to, to, to get you some signups for sure. And so I was very grateful we were out in front of that for sure. So what are some things that people don't understand about it? I mean, I, like I get the impression that people think it's like the Star Trek episode where just you know, check, touch the little device on my chest and start the you know, computer and do this. It's a little bit more involved to get yeah. accurate results. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned the the hype cycle. And uh, I, I think we're starting to come down as people realize that it's not to your point, the Star Trek hit a button and it, everything is created there uh, in, in front of you. And I think that was, I think people thought I can just tell it to write an email and it's going to write an email, or I can just tell it to generate an image of, a you know, two people walking on the beach and it's going to do that. And I think once you get into it, uh, you start to realize one, it still feels magic. Um, I, I, it still feels magic, even whenever it's not great. Um, but but what you start to realize its limitations, the more the deeper you get into it, the more you kind of get down into it. Um, you, uh, you mentioned the book, the book that I'm working on is what I do internally all day is, is write prompts and how to communicate, you know, that kind of communication layer in between the website and the, um, the back end model that you're using. And I think what people don't realize is how structuring prompts in a right way will, will take uh, a response from, you know, an eight or a nine to actually sounding human is something you can use um, right away. I also think there's a lot of fear 
and I think some of that fear is founded. I 100% think some of that fear, there's there's real grounding and reason for some of that fear. But I think some pieces of AI that people don't, maybe they should fear more. Uh, for, and that is, to me, is uh, there's a lot of bias built into mm. the AI. Um, and so some of that is bias just because of the data it trains on. And so we can use open, OpenAI is the largest company. They're probably the easiest to talk about. Um, everybody has, has heard of ChatGPT. And so um, they're training their model more or less on the internet. They're eating the internet. The internet has absolute biases. Um, on the, the image side, you think of something like MidJourney or, or Dolly or Stable Diffusion, they, they've trained their data on the internet. And so um, I know people can't see us, but if you type in CEO and you want an image of a CEO, it's going to look like us, which is not necessarily a good thing, which is a, a you know, middle-aged white guy. Um, if you type in some negative things, you'll get some negative pieces. And that's, so there's some training bias to, to be aware of that, that we've tried to get out of a lot of kind of culture in a lot of ways. And this is coming back. And then there's bias in the way that people are, are trying to deal with that. And so if you want to maybe not let it write hate, you, you don't want, you don't want some, someone uh, to be able to write, you know, Mein Kampf using or some modern version of that using uh, AI. So you, you, you put in some, some things to try to prevent that. Well, now you're introducing a bias of the people who are, who are, who are editing and, and are, are being able to go and say what is and is not permissible. And I think we can all get on board with, um, uh, you know, nobody, not, Nazis are bad. You know, that's that's the easy, easy thing. But I think it gets real kind of touch and go. You know, I, I'm here in Oklahoma, a big energy state, where at least our politicians would have a very different take than maybe somebody in, in another state on what's the best uh, way to get to energy independence. And a lot of those types of things are edited, you know, and 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 good, bad, or indifferent. Um, there is there is something, and I think that's something that people maybe take a little bit for granted, uh, not not maybe thinking deeply enough that that these results are going to come back in a way um, that 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 there is some level of 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 bias one way or another another in it. And well, so that's one reason why I, I I'm I, I'm so interested in seeing as we start seeing it. Um, you know, seep into the enterprise where you see these LLMs that are built on you know, enterprise data sets, not just the broad internet. And so it's much more focused. Mm -hmm. Well, that then does limit, you know, it's not going to have the knowledge of just general things, but, you know, used within, uh, you know, the, the, the working space within the, you know, the corporate environment, um, you know, it, it's going to be much more relevant. And I, I mean, I'm excited by that. And that's an aspect we're not yet seeing again. I'm like, Again, like, look, I have my Microsoft bi technology biases. It's like, but the way that they're approaching that and uh, and building out the Microsoft, you know, uh, um, you know, the the basically the API into all data, all tools, all systems, and getting real time or near real time access to that and training on all that data. I mean, it's just going to be incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it's also going to have those biases built in. The data will be constructed in a way and will they'll remove data of certain types so you'll get certain answers back. Yeah, but I think you're 100% right, though. I uh, Somebody asked me the other day internally at, at my, my work, like, where, where do you think we're going to be or everybody's going to be in, in a year? And I am a firm, firm believer that these, I don't know what it's weird to call a large, a small, large language model, but, uh, but a very specific language models too. I think that's where everybody will go at. I don't think, I don't think, I think in six months from now, having a very specific language model 
to um, your enterprise, to your specific case, maybe in our case, to marketing or writing new organic content. I think that might be a differentiator in six months. I think 12 months from now, that'll be table stakes. I think everybody will have them. Well, what, what's, why aren't we heading towards like the model of where streaming television is gone? Like I, I've not had broadcast television in my house for almost 15 years. Okay. Like stopped paying cable, yep. went, moved early on to streaming, just said not, not a big television watcher. Uh, and so there are shows that are you know, hugely popular. I've never heard of before because I just didn't have it, the broadcast TV and, or I know through clips through YouTube now kind of thing. Right. But why can't we have a subscription model where I can go and subscribe to certain LLMs where if uh, I want marketing data and that, you know, that side of things, if I want to, you know, the, the, the Microsoft LLMs into that enterprise that corporate data into LinkedIn data, um, you know, whatever those sources are, where you can kind of put together a la carte the data that you want to train your system on. I, I believe that that will happen. Um, I, I, I think we'll see, see kind of a few, few angles there. I, the big companies, even medium-sized companies that have, that are deep into this will want to train their own models because they'll want to know exactly what's in it and they'll want to be able to update it. And they'll want to be able to add new things and they'll want to be able to make sure they're on top. But I think smaller businesses uh, will 100% be able to just subscribe to language models that are that are built towards um, their thing. So if you're in health and fitness, a language model that's around health and fitness. If you're in marketing, a language model around you know marketing. I, those are already being done. Um, I, I haven't seen anything really good commercial yet, um, but I know some people working on. I, I think I absolutely think that uh, you know if you if this isn't a key differentiator like in your market space. Like if it isn't like critical to to how you're making money, um, we will 100% see large companies, even very big companies, adopt large language models trained on customer service um, and those types of things. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely something that we'll see, we'll see subscription models come out. Um, there's some today. Um, they're not that good, but they'll be really good in six months. That's just how, that's how fast things are going. So I think you're right on with the subscription model. I, I think there'll be some level of control. Like um, some people will want to make sure they get their ESPN and, you know, and then I think there'll be some level of like, I don't really care. I just want something that's good enough. Um, right. And good enough is usually good enough um, most of the time. And so I, I think we'll see an explosion there and it's probably some cool winners and losers too. Well, that's uh, the other argument too, is that it's, uh, you know, the, the problem is not that, uh, you know, with, with just pulling information from the internet and there's a lot of garbage content that's out there. Everybody recognizes that it's not that, Hey, we have too much content. It's that we don't have, or there's room for improved filters of that content of yes. ways to find that validate things. Um, and it, maybe that's, that's the, the trade-off you get, you know, uh, uh, the, an ocean of information, but then you have to do some work on the back end to filter that, to weed out what's actually useful, uh, you know, and, and valid versus you can have that small, that very small LLM, but it be very targeted and specific and the level of accuracy is, you know, a higher trust with that data. Yeah. And that'll matter a whole lot in a lot of industries, like say like law, legal. Yeah. Um, there already is a really good LLM around legal. Uh, I can't recall the name of it right now, but there, there will, that accuracy will be really, really important um, in, in a lot of places. And um, I think that there's a, a huge market for that. Uh, if, if somebody's 
board and wants to figure that out, I, I think there'll be an enormous market for, for making that work. So where is the, uh, maybe some other areas that the innovation lab is, is kind of investigating kind of where is, where are things headed? What's happening with the, the tech that we're using? Well, let's talk about, you know, Tailwind specifically tech. I mean, how is that evolving and changing? What can you can talk about, obviously? Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think for us, uh, we're, we're, we're both feet in, um, in the deep end when it comes to AI. Um, we are working now. Uh, a lot of what I do, we've been talking today, a lot of what I do is working on our own model, um, specifically around marketing. Um, again, I, I think that's because I have a really, really strong belief that that's where things are heading. Um, I, I think um, we're going to see, I think probably the biggest change that we'll see from where we're at today to maybe where we might be two years from now is there's still a lot of manual processing. So we'll use Tailwind as a very specific example. So a Tailwind will tell you something like, you know, these are the, the different marketing tasks you need to do this week. And you have a calendar and different things to do. And maybe it's do five, five uh, tweets or, or whatever it might be. And we can help you using AI um, write those tweets or those Instagram posts or, or whatever. And, and so we can, we can do a lot of that for you and then we can schedule it. But still all of that has a little bit of a manual feel to it because you're having to go through and approve and you're having to go through and say, okay, yeah, now I want to go in and make an Instagram caption or I want to go in and make a, a create a Pinterest pin. And then, okay, yeah, that schedule time looks good. I think what we'll get to is, is more of a communication of where you're actually talking to somebody. And I, I, you could apply this at any um, at any level at it, for any type of a company, but I, I'm very familiar in the marketing space. And so I think that if we're, as an example, somebody could come in and say, hey, I'm launching a new product and you're, you're interacting with a, a bot or, or you don't realize a, a chat bot. And so you're, I'm launching a new product and then the chat will go back and forth. Well, what's the product about? What are your, you know, your unique value propositions? Who's your target audience? Those types of things. And then based on that, not just build out a customized plan for you, but actually create all the data in the back end. And then maybe you do want to go through and approve it, or maybe you don't care. Um, but I, I feel like that's, where we're heading, I think, um, I feel like, and again, you know, I'm a little older, so I remember going back, going to like travel agents and travel agents knowing everything about everything of where you're heading. And that was such a, like a bespoke, really great experience, uh, but it was expensive and um, it was sometimes inconvenient. And even though you thought they knew everything about Rome, maybe they really didn't. Um, and so we went from there to doing everything ourselves, like a full on like DIY kind of version now where maybe you get out on kayak or Google flights or whatever it might be and you plan your trips. Maybe you still use a travel agent, but most people don't. And they'll do it themselves. I think we're we're about to to go back to that original travel agent, like a but maybe like think like a travel agent on steroids, a platinum level travel agent mm -hmm. who has the whole information of the world and you're just interacting with a a bot and you're saying, hey, I want to, I want to go on uh, you know, a, a 10 day trip. Um, I want to stay you know, in Europe and that bot over time will learn. And that's one of the really interesting things about AI agents and their, their persistent memory and, and understanding what, what you, you like, what you don't like, what you've done in the past, what your company does, what it doesn't do. And so it will know, okay, hey, here are the, the things that you liked in the past, here are the things you said you didn't like, here's the type of food you eat, whatever. And then be able to not just, not just give you an itinerary, Maybe it gives you three itineraries. You approve, approve one. Yeah, that looks amazing. And then go out and book everything for you. I think that's where we're heading, whether that's in 
uh, creating a, a workout routine for you, uh, whether that's creating a diet plan for you, whether that's creating a marketing plan for you or a travel trip or any number of things. I think that's where we're going, where we'll interface in more of a conversational way. And in the back end, all the technology will, will piece these things together. Yeah. At the beginning of, of that, because I completely agree. I think that's that's where things are going. I'm I'm excited by that. Um, it's, uh, you know, so when I started in, you know, in kind of the information technology uh, in the knowledge management side of IT, um, and for years and years, I've 20 plus years, I've been talking about, you know, the importance of, of metadata, the difficulty in capturing metadata around our knowledge assets that are out there. You know, a lot of it is like when you started, it, you, you talked about the process of, you know, I, I, I want to create a product or I want to go on this trip. And a lot of what AI can do is, is do that painful process of collecting the, the necessary information around that request and, and giving a fuller picture of, of that. That's part of what the experience is like with AI today. Like if you go and just ask, as I say, I want to go to Rome, you know, what should I go and do? It's going to just go and pull something generic. It's not going to be right. It's not going to be what you want. You know, you know, from that information. But the more that you can refine that, the more that you can tweak, you know, how you ask for that, which is kind of like the the story of the search experience. Search is usually only good as good as one, the data that it has access to, um, two, the permissions that the user has to access that that data, three, uh, you know, the the quality of the metadata around there to, to describe to get you to the right information and then for the structure of your query to be able to like right. you can ask for something you know 10 different ways and get 10 different answers to that same same thing so the fact that it can learn from and help you shape and ask questions that might be missing and and walk you through an experience if i go and just request for that trip to rome it might come back and say you know, how do you want to travel there? You know, what, what are the dates? Start asking the, the other pertinent information. Slowly but surely, it's improving the quality of the answer that it will give you um, based on those, those inputs. That's a lot about, I think that's what I feel is people don't understand about these AI tools that are out there. ChatGPT is a great example of that is, you know, actually setting up your request yeah. before you ask the request. Yeah, it's it's critical. Um, it's it's that's that's the whole trick, right? Like getting really good, and I, I do think that'll get easier and easier. You know, I I, I think, but right now, um, being able to structure your query or your your prompt in a way um, that that's the difference between an, a mediocre result or a really great result. Well, that's part. Of, I you hear about people. I've heard of a couple of people that have now written a book with ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And my first response is to kind of roll my eyes around that, like trying to get, you know, short bits of information and, and creative writing out of that. But if you, I mean, one of the powerful things about using this technology, in fact, we just, I was doing an AMA with some uh, panel of experts, uh, friends that we answer tech questions. There was a question that we just answered. In fact, I think it goes live the blog post tomorrow answering the question but anyway uh, so if you go out the m365 ama for people listening in you'll be able to find this but somebody asked like what's the difference between like the like the new bing the new search like who cares what's the difference between old search and the new search and 
uh, and a lot of it is you know exactly that it's it's uh it's how you structure that the fact that it you can then you get the initial answer back it's not what you want you can then build on that so no what i actually want is this and it will shape based on it's a refiner it will shape based on the previous question and the data that it looked at pull in new information depending on the new new factors so that speaks to how important that query is the prompts are to yeah. the successful output for sure for sure and i i think that's also something you mentioned or you asked like where i think we're heading i think that's another big thing and this is not a unique thought for me uh, i actually get to i talk to the the head of one of the product divisions at microsoft every week um and they're predicting microsoft is predicting that 50 percent of search is going to be gone in the next two years um and uh depending on where your listener sits um, that could massively affect your traffic to your website and uh, how how people come. Uh, and but it also I think will affect what content gets put out online um, over time. I think we'll see that start to change as people become maybe a little more protective because they're not getting that revenue. Or maybe we'll figure out a revenue model. But right now, if you ask for a, a recipe for banana bread, you're probably not going out to you know grandma's banana bread blog anymore. Um, you know you're definitely not if you're using ChatGPT. You're getting that result right there. And uh, are you using the Bing search or I'm sure Google will not be far behind. And um, that's going to change significantly what, how people consume information over the next, next couple of years is very different. That's interesting. I mean, what, because you're right. I just was thinking about this. Like, so, so what for, for people that have blogs and I'm not, and you're not saying, and I'm certainly not saying people stop blogging and stuff because you've got to, there have to be the content creators out there to be right. adding that in there. But almost, is there a different way that we need to approach how we're creating content? I think so. Um, I, I I can never pronounce the name of this right, but there's that uh, the I think it's Greek mythology, the the Arubarus, the snake eating its tail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is a little bit, I think, what these large language models are doing. They're eating themselves, and they're they're going to eventually make people. They're going to run out of content, because uh, I think content creators will do. A couple of things um, that will be significantly different. This is pure speculation, but but I, I'm relatively confident we're heading some version of this. Um, one, I think influencers are going to be incredibly important in terms of driving traffic, um, just creating the trust, uh, because you're going to have to figure out where to get that traffic from. And so, if you can become a micro influencer, you know somebody who I'm not saying huge, but maybe you have twenty thousand followers or 15,000 followers, or even 5,000 followers on your different platforms, and you can drive traffic, I think that'll be a big deal. But I think where the big difference will be for specifically for content creators is I think we'll see a, a turn back maybe to the early days of the internet before kind of when we were trying to figure out what was free and what was not free and newspapers were figuring out what to charge for and not charge for and how we're going to support this with ads. With these language models ability to just more or less go and scrape your content reuse your content and even in a remixed way and we'll see how the legal stuff plays out but i think based off what i know and the lawyers i've talked to i think the the large language models will be in the clear on this because of how they're remixing the data um so i think we'll see creators move more towards um a walled garden approach of where they have some content that's free um but if you want the 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 real secret sauce you want the real thing and i, I think one of the big pieces of that that we'll see as being really, really important is creating community. Uh, and it won't just be about, 
it won't just be about, you know, grandma's banana bread blog, but it'll be about all these people who enjoy making these types of things, getting together, talking to each other. And that I think is where the revenue will shift to is, is these communities that are maybe, maybe not even paid, but they're behind a login. And so you're, you're trying to drive traffic and then you can drive ads that way, or maybe they are paid um, micro microtransactions, something that people have been trying to figure out for as long as I can remember. Um, and nobody's really cracked it in a good way, but I, I think the idea of microtransactions, maybe paying 99 cents for a recipe, um, you know, or something along those lines or, or paying $1.99 to get access to a, a very, you know, detailed article, um, I think is very much where we're going to go because people are not going to want, uh, they're going to want to get compensated for, yeah. for their work. And the large language models really take a lot of that away. And so I, we'll see a shift. And I think that shift will be more of a, a walled garden approach in the future. So, you know, so I'm in, involved with a couple different blockchain startups, two, two of them. And and so the, the whole concept of, of micropayments and then also work for a you know, co- work with the content uh, I'm on the board for a, a content company that uh, our big thing is you know monetizing the, the content for the content creator so that you're actually making money off of and not just you know being taken advantage of by a lot right. of sites that are out there I mean, great concepts which you know even five six years ago both of those things were kind of you know crazy talk you know futuristic and now right. like people are really starting to understand that there's a I look and I, this is a very different topic but you know getting into like the the you, you kind of breach the topic on, you know, the advertising model and that whole model is being blown up. It is. Um, Google is freaking out. Um, they're, they're already feeling behind on that. But the, even before that, where you had, uh, you really Facebook and Google uh, and other players, but really those two, the, the big two, the duopoly in advertising, that model is just being destroyed or will be, it's going to be interesting to see how this this shapes up. But I I like one other thing. Uh, uh, just as you were talking, just remember too is that you have the ability today. Like with my, I've got a WordPress blog. Uh, you know, you know, any companies that are out there have a way of uh, of blocking uh, you know the AI tools from scraping their sites. So that is something that you can do today to lock right. that down. And I know a lot of a lot of people that have fear uh, of of what AI is going to do to content. Like, I don't, look, I don't have a fear of it. I think there's change that's going to happen. We're going to be doing things differently. I'm one of those optimists that says, you know, I, I think it's going to create more opportunity than it's going to destroy. It's just going to look very different than it is today. Yeah, but that's one of those things to do is that it you know protect your your data. Um, you can still have it free and open to everyone to go and find through those search tools, but lock it down from being abused. If you want to call it that by these AI tools is something that you can do today. Sure. Absolutely. And so definitely some people ought to be thinking about and looking, looking towards. And I think that's a, I think that's a step in the right direction or at least a step in a, in a, in a good direction. Um, but then also be thinking about, well, what happens whenever my search traffic drops even if microsoft's half wrong and it drops by 25 percent, that'll be cataclysmic for a lot of companies and so how are you figuring out how to replace that traffic uh is, is an interesting problem people are going to have to solve well as, as a working for a marketing company a marketing a SaaS marketing company that that is a that's got to be a huge topic for you guys it's 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 one of the biggest things we talk about every week is is how do we help people figure out how to continue to drive traffic um, in ways that are, that are meaningful. Well, that's always the, uh, it, and as well as that, as you see, 
like email marketing, uh, uh, you know, which is always people don't understand the percentage, the, the, uh, the, the conversion rate of, of email marketing has decreased, been on the decline for a long time. Um, if, as you look at, you know, the, the, the less, you know, efficiency of traditional, uh, um, search marketing, you know, through like Google AdWords buys, things like that. Um, all these things are being impacted by that. It's, it's going to change dramatically how companies market. I mean, what finding with those organic methods kind of decreasing the, the, again, the conversion rates for those things. So what are the channels? What are the methods that you're finding that are more effective? Well, I mean, I think interestingly enough, I, I would say emails becoming more important. Mm. Um, and the reason why I say that, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason why I say that is because you own your email audience, right? Like um, people say I have 20,000 followers on Instagram or I have, you know, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. But the truth is you don't. Yeah. Um, they can change that algorithm. They can pull you rent that audience. And so uh, with the decrease, uh, you know, as, as any social media, social network matures, um, your organic reach gets smaller because they're trying to drive people towards paid. And so uh, it's not a problem with email. So email, I think building email lists is incredibly important. Um, I think it's incredibly important. Um, but I also think what we're seeing is trying to create partnerships with, with these micro influencers, trying to create partnerships with people who are in your niche, who, um, or maybe, a, maybe if you're in a larger organization, people who are in specific niches, um, we mentioned Hobby Lobby, you know, maybe you could partner with um, small different crafting uh, influencers to, to um, drive traffic. I think, I think that's really where, where the most traffic is going to come from is, is these people who already have communities. And then I would say, try to utilize some of what they've done to, to build your own community. But I think getting people to bring their community to, to your product, to your website, to your blog um, is probably uh, where, where I think we're, we're heading. Um, and so we're trying to figure out some things like that. Um, to your point, blogging is not dead. Um, organic posting is not dead. Uh, paid posting is not uh, paid. Paid marketing is, is still very much alive. It's just all of us, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier um, talking about how companies with innovation labs are not, or all of us are, there's some version of an innovator's dilemma here, right? Of like, well, uh, I'm getting really good results from this organic traffic. Um, why do I need to spend any more time on anything else? Or I'm getting really good results. I've, I've cracked the nut on, on paid and I really understand how to do paid on social media and do paid on, on these different things. Um, but the truth is, is like spend some of your cycle, spend some of your budget on, on where things are going, because a lot of those, they're not going to go away, but they're definitely going to diminish over these next, you know, couple of years for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It, this is the uh, well in, in the business development and marketing space. My marketing guy, you know, the things that I think about as well. Uh, so I really appreciate your your insights into that. I'll have to, uh, you know, what maybe we'll have to have another discussion just to, you know deeper down that that path because I love that whole idea of like for for companies large or small, you know, how do we change the way that we are creating to prepare for the the impact? So um, yeah, it's a fascinating area it is for sure yeah well greg really appreciate your time today it's been great going through and, and talking about this and getting your perspectives on things for folks that want to find out more where would you point them yeah so tailwind we if you go to tailwind app tailwindapp.com 
Uh, that's our website. Um, you can learn a whole lot about it there. If anybody has any questions, uh, my name is Greg Starling and my email is just greg at tailwindapp.com or you hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always down for an interesting conversation. So Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published on most Fridays and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. Thank you.